for this uh, summer camp stuff? Yeah. I'll just in- <laughs> I'll just intro this thing and then we'll just kick it. Listeners, welcome. You're listening to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast where three friends get together, in this case, remotely, and talk about a horror movie. We are not professional critics. We don't claim to be. We're just going to talk about this movie or movies or whatever and um, we thank the Moonrays for giving us that song intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find their music on iTunes or Apple Music, whatever it is, and say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon Dash Rays. And uh, you can say hi to us where we are chewing the scenery on the Facebook or the Instagram. Having said that, um, we also have a coloring book. We do. That's thank you, Will. Um, if you go to Etsy, the shop is called Screen Monsters. Screen as in movie screen, monsters as in monsters. And you can find the Plan 9 from Outer Space coloring book that we made. Just our drawings. Yeah. And Just all, our drawings. all you need is money and crayons. Yeah. Just like a lot of things it's in cheap. life. We won't even get, it's a black and white movie, people. You only need one crayon. <laughs> really if you think about it all you need is money and crayons that's like the presidency right there <laughs> yeah I'm not going to be nice yeah. fuck that um, <laughs> uh, I, he has his own coloring book are you, oh my God. Are you serious yeah it was on um, uh, one of the late night shows they, they showed his coloring book it's just pictures of him as a superhero and the, the drawings are like uh, the rip offs of Jim Lee and uh, a superior artist. Oh man. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That that goes a very different way if we if we check in with reality, doesn't it? Uh, let's not get political. I mean, everybody else is getting political. We could probably take it easy, right? Yes. Sure. Okay. Sure. Let's do that. Um. Totally unrelated. How are the helicopter sounds, Jolian? Are they still circling? Uh, I, I thought they'd blow up again this weekend because they killed someone else. But um, the uh, yeah, it's, it's been quiet this weekend. Uh, they're they're out on Friday, but yeah, not heard them at all today. Well, that that's kind of like a um, emergency room nurse job where they always notice that Fridays and Saturdays, especially if they're payday weeks. You know, things are a little crazier in, um, true. 
believe it or not, uh, full moon nights are especially crazy in an ER. And full moon on payday. Full moon on, the, on a Friday. Oh, if a full moon payday Friday all line up, forget it. Just call in sick. St. Patrick's Day <laughs> on payday. Drink a full moon and you're working in an ER. I'm wondering if St. Patrick's Day ever lands on a full moon. That that would just be the perfect storm of just nonsense. Um, yeah. Does anyone want to... Uh, do either of you want to start the um, recently watched? I think you should start it since you brought it up. Oh, I guess I did just sort of blurt that out, didn't I? Recently watched. Sure, I'll start. See, that'll be a nice clean edit. A good cut right there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I wrote down something called Just Before Dawn. I have no idea what that is. Huh. That's where uh, that's, uh, uh, people go out into the woods and get chased by slashes oh i wrote that <laughs> i wrote it down as maybe maybe to watch but i didn't that's why it doesn't oh, i think yeah i've uh, seen that one yeah um okay so what i have watched um there is one on shutter called scream queen that's got a comma in it and an exclamation point my nightmare on elm street and uh, are you guys familiar with this um, I believe his name's Mark Patton. I can, uh, I can check this out real quick. Um, but, uh, basically what this is, do you remember when we talked about, um, Oh yeah, this is, uh, this is Freddy too, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's about, um, Nightmare on Elm Street part two. And, uh, yeah, it is Mark Patton. I, I, I didn't want to get that wrong. Um, the actor who the played Mike Patton's brother, <laughs> that would be an interesting pair, wouldn't it? Um, I have long stories about when I saw, um, Mr. Bungle, which if anyone knows faith, no more, forget it. Um, Mike Patton from faith, no more was a complete psychopath. I don't know what his deal was, but when I saw Mr. Bungle live, Mike Patton was not your buddy. That was, (laughs) are you guys familiar with Mr. Bungle at all? Yeah. Okay. I saw, okay, so uh, f- some friends of mine opened for them. This is going to be a total sidetrack. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we no. haven't even got onto the one track yet. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> so maybe, maybe this would be like its own show. But, um, so there was a band called Faith No More and they were a little bit off the beaten path and they were a little odd, but, uh, Welcome to Richard Reminisces. Yes. Back in the day, back in the early 90s, when, when Grandpa Richard was a young man, um, there was a band that was uh, exciting and different and weird. And the singer probably thought, ha ha, that's not weird at all, because the band I had before this was super weird. And um, they were called Mr. Bungle. And I saw them on tour, and holy wow, they were weird. Um, people thought, the um, kind of nice looking guy who was the singer from Faith No More was just going to come out and be like, hi, everybody. What a great time we're having. No. He came out in a mechanics coverall and he had a bondage mask and his long hair was sticking up out of the top of the bondage mask. 
And he didn't say anything to the crowd except between, I want to say, the third and fourth song. He said, all right, fuckers, and launched into the next song. And that's all he said to the crowd. And he didn't pull the, the bondage mask off and say, hi, everybody. Hello. <laughs> I'm that cute guy you think is cute. No, he just left the bondage mask on the whole time, which was super cool. At least in his case, you would know who he is by voice alone, I imagine. Yeah. He couldn't be somebody else. No, it was definitely Mike Patton. Like when I saw MF Doom, and I'm pretty sure it was just his, his <laughs> uncle or his nephew or somebody. Or one, the mask. one of the roadies. Were yeah, you, it could have been anybody. Did, did you see him at Monolith? Up at, uh, I saw him in Boulder. Okay. I saw MF Doom at uh, the Monolith Festival up at uh, Red Rocks. It was definitely MF Doom, but man, that guy does not care what you think. <laughs> Did he just have a tape deck? <laughs> Welcome to People Talk About Concerts They've Been To, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Our listeners are really open to this. I have a, a serious suspicion. Um, that was Mike Patton. Uh, Mark Patton played the the main character in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. So there is a documentary about uh, Mark Patton's experience as being a young gay man playing a young gay character in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, which um, people will jokingly and somewhat meanly call the gayest horror movie ever made which probably isn't true and um he sort of talks about his perspective of the whole experience he got out of the movie business after that and uh had been living in mexico not really in touch with all of this and sometime in the last six or eight years somebody asked him to come and do some uh horror cons and he agreed and uh, this movie is about his reckoning with all of that and some of his coming around to confront what happened then and some of the people who were complicit in making it a little bit of a, a little bit of a joke, but also maybe some exploitation. So that was kind of interesting. Um, so Mark Patton, a really cool guy, it seems, and uh, he... He tells his story, and it's really interesting. Uh, right. Yeah. That one's definitely worth a watch. It's on Shudder. Um, anyone who doesn't want to pay for Shudder could get a free 30-day trial on Shudder and not worry about it. Uh, also, I watched On the Trail of UFOs, believe it or not. <laughs> this is a series on Amazon Prime, uh, which has um, Shannon Legros. And um, some other people who guest on the show who t who talk about different aspects of the UFO phenomena. And uh, that includes um, somebody I've mentioned before, Ryan Sprague, who has Somewhere in the Skies podcast. And um, several other people who are sort of at the forefront of the UFO research scene. And uh, they, they sort of go into the background of some of the things that you would dig into if you were to research ufos we could be talking about abductions we could be talking about sightings um 
and uh, the future of all of this. You know, they 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 consider like where is this going from here, and it's really cool. It's, I I want to say without looking it up, I want to say it's eight eight parts of this series, and um, Shannon Legro has uh, a podcast called Into the Fray, which is really cool. So that one I recommend for anyone who is curious and wants to see some well-produced, well-researched, uh, fun, interesting, and a little spooky UFO stuff on the trail of UFOs. This is from um, the Small Town Monsters production company. So that's that's one that you might uh, have heard me talk about some UFO, or not, I'm sorry, some uh, Bigfoot stuff and... Uh, a little bit of UFO mixed in there, but um, Mothman and, and Bigfoot and whatnot, but small town monsters. Um, I saw Knives Out. Jolien, I think you talked about this one. Yeah, the whodunit. Yeah, it's a really cool whodunit with plenty of twists. Don't want to ruin it. Uh, yeah, Helen Mirren and uh, Gandalf. Mm-hmm. James Bond. Yes, the original. <laughs> Facing off. Um <laughs> Captain America. Yes. <laughs> um, Knives Out was really great. Uh, some twists I was not expecting. The twists I wa- uh, how, how did you see that? Um, it's on Prime right now. It's on Prime. It? Yeah, it's on Prime. You can totally watch this right. with no additional charge. Yeah. And uh, I gotta say, if you really dig whodunits and you think you're kind of clever and can figure out what they're going to do. Um, no, this one <laughs> tells no. <laughs> no, you're not that clever. At least I'm not. <laughs> I admit to not being as clever as the people who wrote this. So it was really great. Uh, there's no reason anybody listening to this shouldn't be able to see it. Uh, so I don't want to say much about it except for the mood of it is really awesome. It is, um, it's set in England and, uh, it's set about 15 years ago, I want to say, uh, 15 or 20 years ago. I don't remember what the starting point was. They made it plausible that people who lived during World War II would still be alive and elderly, but not falling down, at least not too much. Yeah, uh, yeah it's great. Knives Out is so worth a watch. I, I wanted to see it in the theater and didn't get a chance, so... Here we are watching stuff at home. Yeah. Uh, I've so, been waiting for it to come out on Prime. Oh, it's it's so good. Yeah, definitely watch that one. That might have been, uh, to be honest with you guys, that might have been an HBO. Cause it, um, no, it's on Prime. It is? Okay, great. Because uh, yeah. we have somebody else's passcode for HBO, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, everyone. Listener. Yeah, listeners. Send me your passcode to HBO. Right. Yeah, everybody shares their codes. I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not like that's a secret, right? I don't think it's a secret. Yeah. So that's me. Uh, who wants to go next? Well, uh, I didn't watch a whole lot this week. Um, I watched a series on Amazon, an Amazon original called Upload by uh, Greg Daniels, who did uh, the American version of The Office and other shows. Um, he wrote for Seinfeld for a while and King of the Hill, helped 
uh, create King of the Hill and other things. Uh, it's uh, set in the future. It's comedy. Um, set in the future, I think, 2035 or something. Uh, a young guy named Nathan Brown is killed in a self-driving car accident. Uh, <laughs> and if you're rich enough in the future, you can be uploaded into a virtual heaven. Um, well, they freeze your body and hopefully, you know, maybe find a way to bring you back and, uh, download you back into your body. Um, it's pretty good. He's, uh, he's stuck there, uh, on his girlfriend's account because her grandmother lives there. He lives in this virtual world that is like a sort of, uh, I don't know what the, I don't know what the terms called but there was a uh, a period of the early 20th century when uh, a lot of rich people from new york moved to or built lodges and cabins in upstate new york and along the border of canada and whatnot and further up and uh, uh anyway he's kind of there it's just kind of it's like a big fancy hotel he's in he feels pretty empty, having not done much with his life before he was killed in a self-driving car accident. It's uh, it's pretty funny. There's a moment at the beginning, first episode, maybe 15, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes in, that I was like, ooh, I don't know if I can handle this. But it, it goes quickly. I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I breezed through it in like two days. So. Oh, that's great. Uh, 10 episodes. I check it out. Uh, then I watched... Uh, The Lodge last night, which is a horror movie from late last year. Uh, excellent. Check it out. I think we should do it for the podcast. Uh, it appears to be on Hulu. That's where I watched it. Um, basic rundown is a widower and his two kids, a boy about 15, a girl about 10. Um go to the family lodge for the holidays for Christmas uh, along with uh, dad's new girlfriend who happens to be the only survivor of a suicide cult and strange things are afoot it has one of the creepiest things I've seen in a movie all it involves was a dog growling at a creaking floor floorboard and a door pulling closed I don't know why, but if I saw it in real life, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it was just a door closing. It was it was quite effective. So uh, I will I will warn listeners the dog does die in a movie in this movie, so uh, not on screen. Well at least they have the decency to do it off screen. Yeah, but it's a little dog, you you know, like right away, like that dog's not going to make it through the whole movie. No. The Poor more Brady. the more yappy, the more likely it will die. Uh, he's not terribly yappy. He's oh. kind of a sweet little thing, but huh. it's a horror movie. Yeah, expect it. Yeah. Is that oh, it? Pretty dark. Uh, and oh, and then I watched the uh, the original Office, the British Office, because I don't know why. 
Well, but, uh, it was time. I prefer it to the regular. I watched the regular office while I was sitting in the hospital bed because that was on one of the channel or the American office. And, uh, and I just thought, you know, I, I much prefer the, the original one because it was a little meaner. <laughs> and they, I, they didn't feel the need to make David Brent, uh, you know, Ricky Gervais's character nice at all. He's just a total little asshole. <laughs> and uh you know steve corral they want i mean everybody on the american version of the office they want him to be a little bit nice in the end you know they're so oh, they're somewhat relatable yeah and i think they fear they're like people won't tune in if every week michael scott was just a total asshole yeah i i think it would have been better you know it's it's funny that was that was the uh, the end of your recently watched. Yeah, that's my wrap up. Uh, and I'm sorry to circle back around, but you just reminded me that I did watch rewatch <laughs> um, House of a Thousand Corpses. It's Again? no, well, maybe you watched I, it the week before. Okay, you watched it before. Okay, that must have been that I didn't get all the way through it, so there was more left than I thought. So it felt like a whole movie. So I'm bringing it up. I'm bringing it up now. Okay. That is a mean spirited movie. As people like to say, it just doesn't do anything meaningful without just being awful about it. I I think I must've been through like a third of the movie and went, yeah, I was rewatching it and didn't quite finish it yet. I finished the other half or two thirds or whatever. It's just a mean ass movie. It doesn't do anything nice for you at all. It doesn't do anything that uh, just. I'll just leave it there. It's mean. So mean, mean movie. It's a mean ass movie with no redeeming qualities except um, video production. You get to watch Chris Hardwick die. I don't know. Whatever works for you, but uh, no, it's not. It's uh, it's not meaningful. I want to say Devil's Rejects is the better movie. Of the three movies, and I know, Will, you're a big advocate. Three from hell. How can <laughs> you even suggest the other two? I know, I know. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Um, J- Jolien, how about you? What was your recently watched? I'm working on two uh, art projects right now. One of them is a book of uh, UFO stories from the Old West. Oh, so right. Pioneers and and uh, cowboys stories of encountering, you know, uh, what they called, what was it, airships? Yes. They did say what airships the, back then. light and things like that. Uh, uh, I was talking about it yeah. with uh, before the show, and uh, yeah, you said they used to call them airships. Yeah. Yeah, they'd be like, uh, you know, uh, dirigible. <laughs> yeah, steampunk Zeppelin. Yeah. And they'd come and uh, the, the stories you hear them, you know, people be like, oh, I was out in the backyard or I was walking to the outhouse and an airship came down and Professor So-and-so and his crew picked me up and carted me around and dropped me off after a couple of hours. Yes. Kind of like UFO stories. Yeah, they were. They but were. They're not aliens. No, the the ships were made of rawhide. 
<laughs> well, I did uh, my first uh, rough uh, for for it. I did the it's a flying saucer chasing a stagecoach, and uh, the the first flying saucer I did, I did it as a it was just like lights. Um, there wasn't much form to it. I was just trying to think of what they would have seen at the time. Yeah. And uh, but uh, the only comment I had on it was uh, we wanted to we want rivets on the flying saucer. <laughs> the comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's so it's it's literally a nuts and bolts flying saucer. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did more of a fifties looking flying saucer with. Yeah, with seams and rivets and things. Oh, okay. so, uh, but I'll, I'll get back to that as soon as possible. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Uh, stuff. What I watched. I watched a Who Done It. Um, I was looking for Moist Yellow. Uh, there's one called Weekend Murders. Uh, the Italian title is uh, Concerto per Pistola Celista. Um, there's lots of pistol shots in the soundtrack. Uh, so 1970, directed by Nikhil Lupo. Uh, this is kind of part of my jello. Um, it's filmed at uh, Sonnetton Hall in Suffolk. And it's got uh, you know, the cast of like, uh, Italians and uh, there's a few English people in there. You can tell by their skin tones and the, and the levels of glamour. Um, Lance Percival plays Inspector Grey. Uh, I... He, he was like, um, in the 60s, he was known for his being on satirical shows. Like, uh, he was on the show called uh, That Was The Week That Was, where uh, he'd do this, like, satirical calypsos on it. Um, but anyway, he plays this inspector, and then this uh, Gaston Mochin plays this uh, police sergeant. And he played uh, Don Fanucci in uh, Godfather 2. Um you know, it is mildly amusing and it looks very nice. Uh, um, and it's got quite a good IQ uh, done in it plot. Um, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed watching that. Uh, it's something like three in the morning. Oh, man. <laughs> um, yeah, I think everything I've watched this week has been like three in the mornings. This noise has woke me up or whatever. Uh, oh, uh, I listened to. Um, uh, one of the podcasts I listen to is uh, uh, Best Movies Never Made. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, so the last two episodes are about uh, unmade James Bond. Uh, but before that one, uh, they did another one on uh, Friday the 13th. Um, and it was the, they had the fella on who was working on the screenplays uh, when they were going to do it as a found footage. And, uh, uh, they brought this guy in because he'd worked on uh, the VHS film. Okay. They said, all right, uh, you know, this guy's done found footage, let's get him in to write it. So he, he talks about that, and then he and then when that was abandoned, uh, he talks about the reboot story he came up with, uh, with his with his partners, and um, uh, that sounds really good. Uh, I, I'd like to have seen that one. But, uh, yeah, give it a listen. Um, you know, it got me into the mood for, uh, yeah, Campsite horror flicks. Excellent. I watched another Jello called uh, "The Killer Reserved Nine Seats." Ooh, have you heard that one? That's cool. No, yeah, that's, but that, I like the title. That's quite a title. Yeah. That's but that's uh, from 1974. Giuseppe Benatti. 
there's a bunch of rich people get trapped in this huge old theater. Every hundred years at this theater, people get shut in and killed off. Um, this was on, this was on streaming, I forget which one it was, but uh, it is plagued by really incompetent subtitles. Like sometimes it will, you just get a question marks that can figure out what Italian was. Oh, no. <laughs> so that was like a, um, that was probably a placeholder that was never fixed. <laughs> yeah. uh, it seems to be in the scenes where, um, because it takes place in the theater, there's the scenes from Shakespeare and, and various classical dramas. And uh, I think it's because it's an old fashioned Italian being used. Uh, they, they just couldn't figure it out. Um, so anyway, you've got this, uh, people are tr uh, trapped in there and there's a killer dressed in uh, black with a black cape and he's got a kind of Art Garfunkel mask on um, and uh, starts killing off uh, one by one. Um, the first one gets killed off when she's performing the death scene from Romeo and Juliet and, and people applaud her because she does this convincing death scene and then they realise something's gone horribly wrong. Um, uh I think it's quite unusual when one of the one of the victims is getting clobbered on the stage and someone else comes in and jumps on the killer and they have a fight. Um, uh, and then there's, there's this kind of slow, gloomy music. It was, it was a bit of an unusually staged uh, scene. Um, and I wondered why uh, all the characters had uh, English names. They're all called uh, like Russell, Duncan, Doris, Patrick, Vivian, uh, Things like that. I, I don't know why they did that. I, I, were they pretending that it was set in England? Maybe. <laughs> Wouldn't be the yeah, first time, would it? Yeah, they're, they're, they're way too good looking and tanned. Um, <laughs> there was a, there's a really good vanishing trick um, where uh, uh, you see a, see a character in the, in the background and then someone steps across and when they keep walking, this person's disappeared against a blank wall. Um, but like the, the further it goes on, the more the mystery it reveals, the less sense it makes, <laughs> which is not, not a unique thing in Jello, but, uh, no. uh, yeah, it kind of, uh, leaves more questions for you than when you came in. Um, so then I was, I was watching, um, campsite horror movies. So I, I did uh, Scooby-Doo camp scare. Have you seen that one? No. They're, uh, this is one of their director video films in the style of their uh, Scooby-Doo meets Kiss uh, movie. Um, so this is about an axe-wielding maniac called the uh, the Woodsman who's uh, haunting this campsite called uh, Little Moose. And uh, there's, there's, there's various uh, Friday the 13th in-jokes in there. Um, but it doesn't stick with Friday the 13th. It goes off into other things like there's a, there's a fish man haunting, haunting the lake and there's this... Uh, which thing called the Spectre of Shadow Canyon running around. Um, Fred seems pretty unhinged. Um, I think early on, he says uh, he talks uh, about canoeing up Schmidt's Creek without a paddle. Wow. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, it, was, it was amusing in a Scooby-Doo kind of way. And I watched uh, another campsite, one called The Prey from 1984. That, 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 was, that was one of them that you had mentioned on your list. Yeah, this, this is um, 
Put away Edward to Scott Brown. Um, this was the 80-minute cut I watched. Um, there's a there's, there's a version which is called the Gypsy Cut, which is about half an hour longer, where they, uh, I think this was like, like a European cut, where they did this whole backstory with these gypsies and that gypsies having sex. And it was just a complete sidetrack. And then that gets back to the movie. Um, but anyway, this is about... Um, uh, the forest, I think it's supposed to be the Rockies. Some some sources say it's the Colorado Rockies, but it doesn't look like it. Um, so uh, 1980, uh, a couple of teachers are killed off. And uh, and then uh, soon afterwards, you get this uh, bunch of uh, young people go camping up in the, up in the mountains. Um, so this was made just after Halloween 1, but it didn't get released until about Halloween 3. <laughs> and uh, there's a there's lots of wild animal footage cut in there. It's kind of like a remember Monster from Green Hill, yeah, one of the big bug movies from the fifties. There's like tons of footage of wildlife, like stock footage, yeah, yeah, just padding it out. Uh, this this one, I mean, it's really nice, like uh, micro photography of you know, various insects and lizards and things. Uh, so I, I wasn't bored by that. Um, so the, these campers go up the mountains and then one of them tells this garbled retelling of uh, Monkey's Paw. And uh, and then they're sitting there taking hits from this kind of Popeye pipe. Um, and that's followed by, uh, there's this uh, ranger character in it. And uh, after the campfire story, he has this gratuitous banjo scene. And uh, you, you soon learn that whenever you see this ranger, the plot's just going to stop dead. <laughs> and yeah. have him play the banjo or tell a, a joke. He, he does the joke about the wide mouth frog. Or uh, introduce one of his friends to a, a sandwich, a cucumber and cottage cheese sandwich. Um, and then it gets back to the plot. <laughs> and you have this, this, this killer who's this uh, survivor of this uh, fire in this gypsy camp so he's been horribly deformed uh stalking these young people um and uh you think it's gonna come down to a uh a duel with a final girl versus him um and it kind of does but it goes off in this tangent which is which was pretty surprising um but yeah um if you like these sort of sort of things uh check it out it's, it's got uh makeup effects by uh John Carl Beekler. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. And, uh, it's not, I wouldn't say it's, it's a great un, unearthed gem, but it's, uh, it is amusing. You were entertained. Yes. Yeah. You know, it gets you back to sleep at three in the morning. So yeah. So and then, and then, uh, the other one I watched was uh, uh, for tonight. I watched uh, the final terror. The Final Terror. I don't know that one. And uh, you gave us um, some listed uh, movies that were available here and there. Are you drinking a Black Ace Freely, by the way? Yep. Oh man, is ah. that is that your new drink of choice? Yeah, it's really good. Damn, something good came out of this podcast. <laughs> I actually named one of the fish in our pond Ace. It's not a black fish. It's not a silver fish. It's just a, you know, we got some koi and some shabunkins. And uh, one of them's ace. 
named after Ace Freely. Um, so you, you gave us a list and, uh, some of the things were available without additional charge. I did end up because I felt like I've heard of this. I don't know much about it. Don't go in the woods, which should have been titled. Don't watch this movie, <laughs> but, uh, that's a 1981. <laughs> you know what? I will be fair to this movie. It is so off the wall bad that it is pretty entertaining. <laughs> um, so don't go in the woods is 1981. Um, I think it was made for, uh, I could probably find this on IMDB, but, um, the budget is really low. And I think they got like all the film they needed to shoot the movie for like $400, something, something crazy like that. Um, okay. The budget is listed as $20,000, but, um, I want to say, yeah, you pretty much everything you see on screen is, uh, is about $14,000. So they snorted, you know, several thousand dollars worth of cocaine and, uh, got some cheap film. Um, this one is something else, man. Uh, so I watched that and I watched, um, Sleepaway Camp and Sleepaway Camp Two: Unhappy Campers. Those were my movies. Um, what did you guys watch? I mean, did you, Will? What did you pick? I didn't get around to watching anything. Well, you're you're a bit of an expert about camp, you know, camp murder movies. So, uh, am I? I feel like you are. Oh, okay. Sort of an armchair expert. Yeah, I've seen a couple. Yeah. How many Friday the Thirteenth have you seen? All of them. There you go. You're an expert. Um, yeah. I thought we were watching camp movies, so I watched Paradise, Phantom of the Paradise again. Oh, okay. <laughs> Campy movies, sure. Um, Jolien, do you want to do you want to start off with uh, your observations of what you watched? Uh, all right. I did. Uh, I watched this one on a double bill in the UK, and I forget what the other one was. And I remember liking this one. Uh, so I watched this one again. Uh, it's called The Final Terror. It's this US release title. Um, it was also known as Carnivore, although I can't find any other information on that release. Uh, it's also known as The Creeper, which is a foreign edit with alternate takes and extended scenes. Uh, it's also known as Forest Primeval. Uh, and I saw it as Campsite Massacre. Uh, it was scripted as uh, Three Blind Mice um, because that's the song they sing at the start when they're in the bus. Oh. Um, and it was filmed as Bump in the Night. Wow. Uh, it was released on 28th of October 1983, but it was shot in 1981. And uh, once they finished it, they couldn't find a distributor who'd take it. Um, uh, there's no definite information as to why. Um, perhaps because it was a, it's got quite a low body count. There's, there's seven deaths in the movie. Um, and also uh, people working on it were non-union. Uh, there were unknowns at the time. Um, but uh, soon after, uh, 
this film was made, uh, a bunch of people on it became really well known. And uh, so it got re-released. Um, I don't think it did very well. It had this kind of misleading campaign. If you look at the, the poster, it looks like a UFO movie. And the final terror doesn't, you know, doesn't say campsite. Uh, yeah. Maniac sort of movie. Nor does it and, scream UFO movie. Yeah. And, and the trailer also, uh, he leans heavily on the, uh, they've awakened something alien. Um, but it, it's not at all an alien movie. So, uh, yeah, it just got lost. And uh, even the original negatives have been lost. Uh, the director didn't want to do horror, so he didn't he didn't really push it. Uh, the cast might have been embarrassed because the things they got famous for were definitely not horror. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it kind of got lost, and, and the the Blu-ray that came out like five or six years ago, um, they had to assemble it from uh, uh, they they got half a dozen collectors to lend them their prints, and then they they worked from that. Um, so yeah, it, it, it kind of got lost, but uh, I think it's really good. Um, so the director and uh, director of photography is Andrew Davis, and he's better known for his uh, Steven Seagal movies and uh, uh, like uh, he directed Under Siege, mm-hmm. which is probably Seagal's biggest movie. Yeah, uh, and he also directed The Fugitive, the uh, Harrison Ford remake. Yeah, um, which was you know really popular. Um, and he does a good job in the photography is really nice uh, it's got a nice uh, dark damp look to it uh, you have to see a good copy of this because uh, if you see a bad copy of this like an old VHS the nighttime scenes are really hard to make out but uh, I've only seen it on the big screen and on uh, like the Blu-ray uh, version um, so he, he got well, well known. Uh, this is written by uh, John George, who also wrote a couple of Australian movies called, uh, he did uh, Turkey Shoot and Harlequin, uh, which were also worked on by co-writer Neil D. Hicks. And then the, uh, the third writer is uh, Ronald Shusett, who worked on the Alien series. Uh, he did, uh, he worked on the first Alien and uh, Aliens. Uh, he also co-wrote uh, Dead and Buried and uh, Total Recall. Oh, nice. Wow. Um, the music's by Susan Justin, who did uh, Forbidden World. Uh, it's, it's a good soundtrack. It's, it's used pretty sparsely. They use a lot of the um, uh, natural sounds of the forest. It, you know, it's, it's very atmospheric. But uh, when a music comes in, it's, it's, you know, it blends in really well. Uh, it's shot in uh, Northern California, up in the Redwoods. Uh, the same forest area as uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, which came out a couple of years later. Yeah. Well, it came out in 1983, so the same year that this came out was actually released. Um, and this this movie also has a kind of Ewoky climax to it. <laughs> yeah. This goes awesome, awesome climax. Um, so the, the cast in it, uh, you've got uh, Koswa Abusia, who is the daughter of the Prime Minister of Garner, I think. Uh, and she was in The Colour Purple soon after this. Um, John Friedrich, uh, he, he was, uh, he'd been in The Wanderers and he was in The Thornbirds. Uh, Daryl Hannah, who had been in The Fury, 
But uh, after she'd made this movie, she was in Blade Runner and Splash. And um, Clan of the Cave Bear. Yeah. Uh, you got uh, Anthony Macario plays this uh, uh, a character I won't give away. Um, but uh, the, the killer in this movie is wears this, uh, you, uh, you can't tell what they look like because they're wearing this ghillie suit. Uh, so they really blend into the forest and they do these, these excellent like uh, uh, surprises and you can see them on screen but the characters don't see them at all. Nice. You know what a gill- ghillie suit is? Oh uh-huh. yeah, it's like what a sniper wears. It looks like a bunch of moss. Yeah, yeah. If a, uh, if a gorilla was made of moss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah ghillie was uh, it's, a, it's a Scottish Gaelic uh, word for um, it, it, it for an outdoor servant, so it usually referred to a gamekeeper. Oh, who, wow. Oh. like looking for poachers or looking for game, and they just blend into the landscape. Um, and then uh, I think when the first sniper squads were formed back in the First World War, um, they were drawn from these people who were used to wearing ghillie suits. So this became, you know, this is now a universal sniper unit. Yeah. Camouflage uh, thing. Um, they're called something else in, in America, I think. Yowies or something. Hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Mark Metcalf, he played uh, Niedemar in Animal House. And you might know him as the dad in uh, Twisted Sisters, We're Not Gonna Take It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which was straight from Animal House. It's not like it's a different yeah. <laughs> character at all. Egger, uh, the bus driver, uh, Nutcase, is uh, played by Joe Pantoliano. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Joey Pants. Yeah. I uh, have seen this one, yeah. Uh, Lewis Smith, uh, he went into a similar movie after this. Uh, this movie, it reminds you of Deliverance. It's uh, kind of a survivalist in the woods movie. There's this, uh, there's this uh, military guy who's all that. He knows about how to survive and how to take out someone, and he gets injured. Um but uh, yeah, Lewis Smith is, uh, he plays Boone and he's in Southern Comfort and he's also in Buckaroo Banzai. Um, Rachel Ward, who is in another slasher movie called Night School, which we watched. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and of course, she's the star of the Thorn Birds. And uh, she was in uh, Against All Odds. Uh, and then uh, and then one of the other campers is uh, Adrian's Med. Who uh, was in T.J. Hooker for a few years? Yeah, in the eighties. Um, so you've got a bunch of uh, people there in this Californian um, uh, uh, conservation team, and they're going up into the mountains to clear out streams and uh, you know, make things safer and you know working. Um, and uh, they get driven in this bus by uh, Egger, the bus driver, and. Uh, uh, then they get dropped off and uh, he's supposed to go back downstream and wait for them in his bus. But uh, uh, two of them break off because they uh, they know that there's some uh, hidden uh, ganja growth in the area, so they're going to sneak in there and steal some of the crop. Nice. And, uh, anyway, uh, also in this area is this, uh, is this maniac who... Uh, blends into the forest and uh, starts taking them out. Um, uh, it's not like 
uh, a standard slasher. Um, there's a very low body count. Um, there's seven, including uh, the bad guy. Um, the uh, I found most of the people likable, which is quite unusual. Uh, they know what they're doing. Um, they they care for each other. Uh, the fate of the black characters is unusual. Uh, what they live. Are, yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk too much. Um, people are aware of what's going on about the end of the first act rather than towards the end of the third act, as usual. You know, usually a bunch of... Uh, uh, you know, they have no idea that Jason's killing everyone off until like, the last 20 minutes or so. Right. But uh, th- this one they know pretty pretty early on. And what they do is they, uh, they will get together and... Uh, uh, camo themselves up and uh, go after him. Um, so uh, that's quite unusual. Um, uh, I enjoy it, and but I I wish the even though the director didn't want to do a horror movie, I wish he'd gone for it. Uh, Be more professional about that. Uh, he plays it as a kind of survival drama, and. Uh, if if he'd gone for the horror of it, it would have been a, a classic. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, he kind of he kind of shies away from that stuff for the most part. Um, but uh, if you if you watch it as a kind of um, uh, uh, you know '80s version of Deliverance, it's uh, it's quite effective. And uh, I also recommend Southern Comfort, um, similar sort of thrills. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this one. You should check it out. So you have also, um, watched plenty of these movies. You're, you're not a stranger to the camper massacre movies, mm-hmm. starting with whatever our earliest one was, whether you saw, um, what was it? The burning? That was an early one, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. So whatever you whatever you watched as your first one, whether it was a Friday the Thirteenth or The Burning or what have you, um, we're all kind of familiar with like what these movies do, like what they want, what is their motivation, and usually it's senseless death of blithely wandering people by <laughs> somebody else who has motivations unknown to those blithe people. And I gotta say. Although not well made and not super competent, this is not for lack of ambition. Don't go in the woods. Uh, Nineteen eighty one um, really tried very hard to do this thing, and um, their body count, depending on who you ask, was about twenty, um, eighteen or twenty. Uh, I'm not really sure, depending on your source. I I could watch the movie again, but I will not. Um, I will not. <laughs> I will not watch this again. But I mean, I might, but not soon. Um, this one was um, directed by James Bryan. It was written by Garth Eliasson, and um, he did the original story and the screenplay. Uh, it stars uh, Nick Cleland, Mary Gail Arts, and James P. Hayden. Now. In the cast, something really interesting happens. Um, uh, Mary Gail Arts, who plays Ingrid, goes on to become a casting director. 
And she cast so much stuff, which shortly after this movie included Halloween too. Um, followed by Bad Boys, um, uh, Shining Through, Captain Ron, Hocus Pocus, Nightmare Before Christmas, Sugar Hill, um, the movie, the TV movie version of the Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. Just it goes on and on. Um, last with Daryl Hannah. Yes, there you go. Circle back around the Daryl <laughs> Hannah. Um, but her career is really just very full. I mean, it's crazy how much stuff uh, she worked on after this. So either she was somebody with a lot of ambition to begin with, or she caught the bug. I'm not sure which, but um, she's the red haired woman in this who is, I, I took a bunch of notes while I was watching this and they're super unimportant. But one of the things I <laughs> One of the things I said was the two main female characters after the initial one on screen who's murdered unceremoniously, uh, I said, they're they're too plain to get murdered. They're going to both be the final girl. Well, that's not exactly true. One of them doesn't make it. Um, but they're, they're just too plain looking. They're not like your typical fodder for this sort of thing. And... Uh, this movie doesn't care. It just kills everyone. <laughs> That's its ambition is to kill everybody who walks on screen sooner than later. And at the hands of some guy whose motivations you could only guess is uh, the mountain man version of a crazy cat lady. Uh, he has beads that he wears on his face and sort of an X pattern. He just looks like, a nut who lives on a mountain and all he wants to do is kill. And that's all you need to know about this movie. It was filmed in, um, let me see. I have the notes. I know it's park city, Utah and, uh, Heber city, Utah, H E B E R Haber or Heber city. I'm not familiar. Um, the, the scenery is beautiful. They did a really good job shooting this for not being very skillful. I think it's one of those things, if you can point a camera at it, it's going to be gorgeous. Um, but uh, just all kinds of um, rocky-faced mountains and waterfalls and all kinds of lovely valleys and, and meadows and everything. It's, it, it's probably hard to get some bad footage of this area. So being probably less than competent... Uh, they still stumbled into some good-looking footage. Uh, this suffers from Casioitis. All the music sounds like it was played on a little battery-operated Casio. <laughs> and the worst of it is, every time there's somebody kind of dorky and dumpy who you figure is going to get murdered soon, the music is very sort of farty and goofy. And <laughs> soon enough, yes, they die. Uh, I gotta say though, um, five minutes in, like you've got this, this woman running down a stream, this attractive brunette woman who you don't really get to see what she really looks like. Cause she's running and screaming. She gets murdered. Then you see this really weirdly dressed dork. Who's a bird watcher. 
he gets murdered seriously five minutes in. Um, I know in England knickers means underwear, but, uh, he's wearing like the knee pants knickers, uh, just super like something Teddy Roosevelt would have worn like so outdated, even for the eighties. Uh, but this bird watcher gets killed and you're like, huh? Five minutes We're we we've got two bodies already who we're not invested in at all. Then we start to meet these campers who are on their way up. And there's this real know-it-all camper guy who's just like telling everybody what to do and what not to do and what to expect. It's like, oh, that guy's so going to die. And then you try to figure out if there's going to be one or two of the rest of them out of the group of four or five people who are going to survive. Well, it ends up being two of them. That's the only spoiler I will give you. Um, but, uh, they do survive and they do and uh, they do exact some revenge. I'm not going to say more than that. Um, I will say listeners are probably listening to this episode, not having intended to watch all of our movies. Um, there's a couple in a van and I couldn't make sense of why the van looked so shabby. And it was like they were sort of consummating their relationship, whatever that might be in a wider shot. Later, we see that the side of the van says just married in spray paint, but it still looks like a van that was in a field somewhere and really rusty. Well, it it gets tumbled and burned later. Uh, The woman of, of this couple uh, looks like she could be one of the Ramones. I'm just going to, I'm just going to leave leave that there. Uh, nothing in this movie makes sense. You won't care much about the characters. The thing I cared most about in this movie is that there's a shot in a convenience store, general store kind of a environment. I want to rewatch the movie just to see what is that pinball machine? It was so gaudy and it had like hot pink and a tiger, like a snarling tiger on it and maybe a magician. I want that pinball machine. (laughs) Uh, that's that movie, uh, rewatched, um, uh, sleepaway camp, which you've both seen, right? Uh, with the big, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. Uh, first three, you've watched all, th- all three of them. Yeah. Well, I, I watched two of the three. Uh, how is that third one? I, I guess it's no good. <laughs> <laughs> do do, do uh, either of you go camping? I have a bunch, yeah. Uh, yeah, I went camping as a child. Yeah. Um, do you want to go into that a little more, Will, or shall I? Elaborate? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, we went camping sometimes on the road from having moved out west. Uh, it was you'd think like the motel is the cheapest way to stay on the road. Well, no, the tent is less expensive than the motel. So, uh, there were probably three summers where we camped, um, going to and from Chicago from having moved out to Northern Idaho, the, um, the South of the North, as you put it, Will. Um, so yeah, I probably had, I don't know, in, in my childhood, six or eight nights of camping that way and was not unfamiliar with it. But then when I was about 19 or 20, 
I took a job as a tree planter one summer and we lived camping up on the job site, which was a mountain in some part of Northern Idaho or Eastern, uh, I'm sorry, Western, uh, Montana or Eastern Washington. And, uh, basically you cooked over a fire. You, you ate whatever you cooked and you drank from water you collected from a Creek and hopefully boiled. And, um, yeah, you cooked, you know, you, you cooked, uh, in a skillet on a fire. And then that was it. That's, that's what you did for four, five, six days out of the week. And you went home for a day or two and you went out and did it again. Uh, I've got tons. What, what I, what I'm, uh, my follow up is, um, with these movies, uh, I enjoy them a lot more having experienced camping and knowing, uh, if the, if the film manages to evoke how dark it gets, and how strange the noises are, um, then then it can be really effective, especially if you've actually been camping. Oh yeah, yeah for you sure. remember what that was like. So you did you did camping as a scout and as a military man. It, well, yeah, in the Navy cadets. Yeah. So you you know what it's like to be out in the wilderness, and you don't know what's around you. Yep, yeah, and and just. The darkest dark you've ever been in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know, especially in, in, you know, in the UK, because you don't have the stars. It's too cloudy. Oh, that's right. That would So be- it's just, yeah, you've, you've not seen pitch black until you've been out in the woods. There's no light. Man. It's just alien. Yeah. You have no idea. Yeah, the I think the the worst thing about it is the isolation that if something did go horribly wrong, it would be a lot of uh a lot of wrangling to get back down to civilization. Yeah. And uh a, a bunch of dumbasses who have agreed to plant trees uh who know nothing about nothing, uh, who are led by somebody who's done it a bunch. Well, if that leader were to get knocked off, hopefully someone could find the keys to the van. Mm-hmm. That would be about it. And the van, by the way, was called a crummy. <laughs> and you're like, crummy. yeah, you're like, why the hell do they call it a crummy? After a week in the van, you understand why it's called the crummy. <laughs> it's just dirt and garbage about ankle deep. Mm. When we went for trips in the uh, in the scouts, they take us out in an old ambulance that they had. That, that was their transport. World War Two oh, wow. era. Yeah, you, you'd have these benches down the sides. Yep. And, uh, and then nothing else. No seatbelts or anything. No, no. So you'd just be crammed in there, and uh, they'd often play these amusing games of uh, taking the youngest members and putting them in the middle so everyone could kick them. <laughs> um, uh, and, then, and then you'd be driven out somewhere in the forest in the dark and you and you played all these games you snuck around and assassinated each other it, it was all good uh, good Christian fun oh sure <laughs> uh. I remember going in uh, one of our forest exercises in the, in the um, cadets was uh, we were walking along thinking we were we were pretty hot with our rifles and going through this forest and there's a bunch of actual uh uh i think they were they were paratroopers 
but they were in ghillie suits and uh, we were right on top of them, literally on top of them. And they, they stood up and they, and they had like big you know, SMGs and it was just, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so yeah, that would be pretty shocking. They were, yeah. all, they were all like Swamp Thing and they just stood up. Yeah, yeah they all stood up and they, so for about, about a split second we were just terrified and, and then they all just started laughing because they'd taken it so badly. Oh God. <laughs> That is awesome. The the only thing even close to that I can tell you about the tree planting um, expeditions was that we had a really kind of, I don't want to say silly, but he, there was a very funny guy on our crew. Uh, they He called himself or they called him Crazy Larry. And um, he wasn't exceptionally big or tall, but he, was, he looked fit. But he had long hair and a beard, which in the... Um, late eighties or whenever it was, uh, usually meant you're kind of a freewheeling hippie type, maybe a little left wingy and you wouldn't immediately think military guy. Well, it turned out that they split our crew into two different, um, groups on a particular situation where they needed to go someplace in Montana and someplace in Washington and plant on two different units and, um, you know, you got like uh, two groups of 10 and, uh, I heard a story back about crazy Larry and it's like, well, Hey, you remember that one jerk that was planting and his, this guy and his girlfriend were both planters. It's like, you remember that guy that was a jerk? And I'm like, yeah. Uh, what about him? And it's like, well, he started being physically abusive with his girlfriend or wife, whatever the case was. And crazy Larry called him out on it. And, uh, I was like, Ooh, that's weird. What happened? Well, the guy got tough with crazy Larry and crazy Larry grabbed him by the back of the neck and the seat of the pants and threw him several times closer and closer to the river and then scruffed him by the back of the neck or the, the shirt or whatever, and dunked him several times and told him, don't ever do that again. Women should be treated better than that. And the guy came up barely breathing and uh, didn't know what to do because he thought he was the tough guy. And turns out Crazy Larry was the tough guy. Well, this is the first time I heard of a, uh, uh, a military division called the Navy SEALs. I'd never heard of them before. They said, well, you know, Crazy Larry was a Navy SEAL. I'm like, I don't even know what is that. Well, that's when I found out. Did a little bit of research and found out that they are some pretty badass dudes. And uh, Crazy Larry was like, no, I've seen enough, I've heard enough, and I'm going to school this guy. So that was a fun camp thing. I didn't get to witness, but uh, several of my friends were on that unit, and we were just off on some other boring planting mission somewhere. Um, but we did put tens of thousands of trees into the ground, and, um, yeah, some, and some abusive guy got nearly drowned and hopefully learned a lesson. <laughs> so, so did you guys do uh, campfire stories uh oh you know typical campfire stories but uh you'd always have some uncle or dad sneak off at some point during the story so they could sneak around behind you they they'd always go oh, i gotta go pee or something i gotta take a leak and of course they'd sneak around and get you at the at the conclusion of the good stories so uh you know uh 
I remember a bear came into camp once. Uh, for real? We could hear him nosing around the tent and walking around looking for food, and we were all just real quiet. That's probably the scariest thing that I ever experienced out there, you know, because you could hear this thing breathing, and as a little kid, you were like, oh my god! It's a bear! It's gonna, yeah. It's a grizzly. It's going to tear through this tent and murder us all. <laughs> probably a little black bear, a little brown bear. No, we yeah. didn't. Yeah, we didn't tell any stories that I remember. Um, that was never a thing. I don't remember any specific stories other than maybe the the uh, urban legend with the hook. The hook man, yes. Car handle door. Yeah. yeah. It's funny you should mention that. You know how they've never had Candyman on... They've always had like Candyman 2 or 3. Um, uh-huh. Candyman is now on Netflix. Oh, wow. All right. I think we should talk about the original urban legend of the Hookman and then maybe do Candyman for next show. There is. Jordan Peele's doing the remake, so. uh, Yeah, Jordan Peele's doing the remake. He's producing it anyway. When's it coming out? Do we know? Uh, With Uh, COVID 19, who knows? That threw it all into. Everything's being changed. Yeah. 2025. Because I read about it, uh, I want to say in January, I think I read the news about that. There's a long-form article uh, from the Chicago, I'm going to say the Times, maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, that can be found that talks about uh, the actual story that kind of led to the Candyman movie, that if you can find it, is fantastic. I mean... It's a terribly depressing story. Oh, yeah. Uh, of course. But uh, about how some lady was murdered by somebody who crawled through the bathroom mirror in her uh, her apartment. And I think in the movie it's in Cabrini Green. But yeah, it is. It's a different. It was a different actual uh, House, uh, housing project. project. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what the story talks about, you know, that they uh, basically the, the housing project had this flaw where you could take the bathroom mirror out in your apartment and then pull or push the mirror in the up, other apartment out and crawl into their apartment. Oh, shit. Um, yeah, and it would have cost like, you know, 25 cents to put the clip in that would have kept the mirror from being pushed out or Something like that. It's been a while since I've read the article, but uh, yeah, there was a used to be a site called. It may still be there. Long reads, I think it was called, and it usually had like a longer newspaper and magazine article from years and years back. Yeah, I think it's worth exploring because there's a lot of interesting stuff about the source material and and the folklore as well as the movie itself being like, Hey man, it's Tony Todd. What more do you want? You know, you put him in a movie and you get everything, but I don't know if he's coming back. Well, he may not, but I mean the, the original anyway. Well, yeah, but I mean, it'd be good if he came back. I would love that. Yeah. I mean, I could imagine that would be super interesting to Jordan Peele, but who knows? Um, Jolien, did you have anything else about uh, 
the camper uh, slaughter movies that you wanted to talk about? No, I, I think I've seen all the ones in the eighties. Um, um, Sleepaway Camp Two. Do you have any thoughts on that one? Since I I can't remember those sequels at all. Okay, let me no. let me throw this out there. Um, they are around a campfire talking about uh, not birthdays and um, singing songs, but they're talking about eventually what happened in sleepaway camp and uh then the movie progresses to you know who the killer is and you just watch her do all the killings does that mm-hmm. ring, does that ring a bell yeah that's about it there is netto yeah it's sort of sort of boring but it's only 80 minutes long yeah <laughs> and it costs less than half a million dollars and it's pretty clear when you're watching it that they were just trying to cash in. Mm-hmm. The only campfire s- story we had in the Scouts was about this goat man. Ooh. Uh, I didn't, the only time I saw the hook story was in the uh, Dance Macabre, the Stephen King book. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. The, so we're out in this forest in uh, Luxembourg, which is this principality, this tiny little area yeah. in, in Western Europe. And uh, so we're in this forest at this international scout meeting, which is the occasion of the most embarrassing moment of my life. Uh, but anyway, uh, one of the uh, leaders of the, uh, the troop uh, told us this story about uh, uh, Goatman, which was um, there'd been a uh, logging uh, crew in the forest and uh, uh, there'd been this horrible accident when they were felling trees and uh, one of them got his head chopped off. And uh, the, uh, when, they, when the crew rushed in to, to look for the, uh, this guy, uh, the body was missing. Ooh. And uh, there was just trampled grass as if something had crawled away. And then a little later, one of the uh, local farmers reported that one of his goats had had his head cut off. And then, uh, uh, then later on at, at night, uh, the uh, crew was awakened uh, by noises, and they they got up and the uh, they have this tent where they kept all their supplies, and this tent was just ripped up, and there was all these um, claw marks shredding it. And their, their food was gone, it's taken away. And uh, uh, they, uh, uh, and then this poor fellow who'd, who'd been the partner of the guy who got decapitated, uh, he, he's, he's screaming and saying, like, there's this uh, someone looking in the something looking in the window. And they, they asked him what it was, and he said, It's this, it this man, but his, his head was a goat. And uh, yeah, it, it's like really scary at the time. And uh, it's, it's doesn't doesn't make any sense in the you know in the tradition of good campfire stories. But, no. uh, uh, it was really good. We were all pretty freaked out about it, and then from every night from then on, we were just trying to freak each other out even more because you know that we were detailed, lovable children. <laughs> well, it caught you off guard and it freaked you out, so it it did what it was meant to do. That's good. Yeah, and yeah, and uh, you know, it, we're in the middle of a forest. Yeah. <laughs> No lights around, so... Uh, yeah, making sense was really far down the list. 
<laughs> on that yeah, story. Yeah. So certainly had you looking out the window. It was really good. Oh man, I like that one. Um, do you guys want to do Candyman for next time? Are you sure. up for that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Now that if it's on Netflix. Yeah, I did see that it was on there, and it wasn't like, oh, Candyman, and then you go, oh, uh, farewell to the flesh. No, it was actually just the Candyman movie from uh, whatever year that was. It was a while ago. Um, 1990, I think? I want to say it was late 80s or early 90s. Uh, I don't remember. I know I saw it theatrically and and was really like, wow, damn. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I would say... uh, because it's summertime and uh, nobody's really going to camp unless they're taking unnecessary risks, uh, we covered it for you. There's there's nothing out there but goat head men and murder. So, you know. Yeah. Just be glad. Yeah, we saved you a lot of trouble, listeners. So, shall we call it a show? Okay. All right, well... Um, Let's uh, let's talk about some Candyman next time. And meanwhile, uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Don't go in the woods. Camp bananas. <laughs> <laughs>